Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Win Today podcast. My name is Ryan Cass, and I am your host. Our mission is to inspire people to win today by connecting with amazing leaders and sharing amazing stories. We are here for episode number 14 and joined by Nia Lewis. Nia is the host and founder of the Solopreneur Podcast, Solopreneur Hustle Podcast. In addition to that, she is a solopreneur coach. Uh, Nia, thanks so much for being on. Can't wait to learn all about solopreneurship and what you're doing to help solopreneurs. Uh, welcome aboard. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, I'm so glad that we connected recently at One Million Cups Charleston, where you talked all about the Solopreneur Hustle podcast. And um, I was really just motivated by hearing all the amazing things you're doing and what you're doing to help solopreneurs and inspire people to become solopreneurs. So I want to talk about your solopreneur journey. Where did it start? Where did it start and what inspired you to become a solopreneur? Have you ever worked in corporate or is it just always been Nia the solopreneur? Yes. So I always say that that's an interesting question because it's one that I get a lot. So I have always been entrepreneurial. I started businesses when I was as when I was as young as like six or seven years old. I create bracelets and I'd make jewelry and do art and, and try to like peddle it and sell it to my grandparents' friends. And so I've always had this entrepreneurial itch. In 2013, which was my senior year of high school, I started cosmetology school and earned my cosmetology license. And I'd planned on uh, working in a salon and starting a hair extension business in college. And so I'd started a few different cosmetology related businesses in college. However, I had always dreamed of going to college and working in corporate America. So throughout college, I went down this path of um, preparing myself to work in corporate America. I had several internships, one that I'd worked for three years in HR doing recruiting. And so the plan was for entrepreneurship to always be like a side hustle and to work in corporate America and create a career out of being a recruiter. That at the time was my passion. And this was from 2014 to late 2016. So six months before I was to graduate from college or like five months, this was around December of 2016, I abandoned my corporate dream and decided to commit my life to entrepreneurship full time. And really the reason why I decided to start a business and um, abandon my corporate dreams and at the time what I thought were passions, but they really weren't. I abandoned this because when I was in college, just getting a taste of what entrepreneurship felt like was something that I knew could never be on the back burner for me. Um, when I was in college, a lot of my friends worked at restaurants, waited tables, they were waitresses or worked in retail. And I was always hustling, you know, creating products and selling them to people. Again, I, I'm a cosmetologist by trade. So I was doing haircuts in my dorm room. Like I had a whole operation going out of my dorm room and it felt so good to be able to make my own money 
way more than I would have ever made making minimum wage at a restaurant downtown here in Charleston. I went to CFC called to Charleston. So um, I was making way more money than the average college student would running my business out of my dorm room. And so I was like, why would I work for anybody after I graduate? You know, why, yeah. why would I abandon this? I have freedom. I don't have to be trapped to a schedule. I don't have to work until 2 a.m. at, you know, some bar downtown. I don't have to do that. So once I, I got a taste of the freedom that came with entrepreneurship, I got a taste of the flexibility, um, not having a cap on how much money I could make not having to deal with the corporate rat race, you know, all mm -hmm. the things that my friends who had graduated before me were experiencing. Um, even my now husband, we were dating at the time. I mean, just seeing what everyone else was experiencing, I knew that I didn't want to jump into that. And so I knew that starting a business would be hard, but it was something that I, I, was, will I was willing to weather the storm to avoid um, dealing with a lot of the stuff that my friends were complaining about. So um, that's why I started wow. my business my, and, and also my entrepreneurial dreams and aspirations have changed since then. So this is now five years ago that I was in that place of starting a business, you know, as opposed to applying for any full-time corporate jobs. But I mean, my uh, passions have changed so much along the way. So it started as at the time I wanted to do social media marketing. So my undergraduate degree and my graduate degree are both in communication. And so at the time I was really interested in social media and communication strategy and dabbling a little bit in PR. And I did that for a while for small businesses freelance. And I realized that really my strength was speaking and educating. So I started the Solopreneur Hustle podcast eventually. And I also started an education platform for salon professionals, which is my other business with Purpose Continuing Education. So along the way, I've discovered different passions and honed in on my strengths, but that's how I started all of this and really how I got to where I am today. I know that was a very loaded answer, but I'm hoping that's that gives great. you some insight about I, I my wanna, No, it's great. So really, oh man, I have a lot of questions off of this, but <laughs> um, what I'm hearing is you've kind of been destined from a young age, you know, from uh, just selling things as a kid and then cutting hair in the dorm. It makes me think too, um, <laughs> you know, when you make, when you, when you're making money as a kid, whether it's a lemonade stand or, or whatever, like, I don't know. I don't know about you, but like, I can't, like it made me feel like I was rich anytime I got like, Oh my God. <laughs> I, I used to live by a golf course and I would, um, you know, we'd get golf balls in the backyard all the time yeah. and I would, and golf balls are expensive. So I would take them, clean them, you know, organize them and then and put them all in egg cartons, like based off the type, whether it was like a nice Titleist ball or, you know, Nike, whatever. And then I would go up to the driving range and sell them for like 20 bucks a dozen. Cause normally they would cost, you know, like 40, $50. And, um, and then I got kicked off the golf course one day cause I had gone up there and made like a hundred bucks, you know, in about 10 oh minutes God. as a, yeah. as a 12 year old. And I'm like, I'm rich. And then, and then the, the club, <laughs> pro, the club pro came out there. He's like, Ryan, you gotta, you gotta go. Like, nope, you can't sell up here anymore. You know? <laughs> right. That is yeah. hilarious. No, it, I can relate to that a hundred percent. I remember yeah. 
I was telling you I would sell things to my grandparents' friends. So one summer I got really into making beaded bracelets and my grandpa took me to Michael's and I bought like all these supplies and I made these paperclip like beaded bracelets. I still, thinking back, I'm like, oh, wow, I still know how to make those. But anyways, I made $40 that summer on these bracelets and I thought I had made it. Like I, mm-hmm. I'll never forget the feeling of having 40 bucks when I was like seven. It felt so good. Yeah, no, and it's like, you know, I guess the only thing I wish I would have known to do with that $100 is like put it in the market. Invest. <laughs> yeah, that's what we got to teach the the youngsters. Like, hey, make your hustle, but then put the money in the market, you know, and spend a little bit yes. on, on cheeseburgers. But uh, Right. Know. Could you imagine if our 12-year-old selves had bought Amazon stock back then? I mean, yeah. it, ma- Amazon, Apple, like... Oh, oh my, my gosh, God. like, yeah. it almost yeah. makes me sick thinking about the fact that I didn't invest earlier and thinking about all the things that I could have or should have invested when I was in middle school, you know? I mean, if if only I had known different, but all that we can do is hope that we can inspire future yes. generations to yes. invest early. Yes, yes, maybe that's the next venture, um, you know, <laughs> going back to these young entrepreneurs and saying, listen, don't go spend all at the gas station because that's kind of what I actually I did save a good bit of my money, but just just in cash. Um, mm. But yeah, knowing what I know now, golly, yeah, we could be doing this this podcast from the beach if we were buying Amazon and we we're youngsters, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Literally, like I, I would I don't even know where I'd be right now if I yeah. had bought Amazon stock when I was 12. Seriously. So so you knew early on and then at CFC, you're like, all right, you know what? I can I can do this now. What how did people react? Because right around senior year, you know, because I was I was right up the road at the Citadel um, and graduated a year before you. Um, And uh, yeah, probably crossed paths and didn't realize it. Probably, you know, um, (laughs) I didn't have much hair at the time. But, uh, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. You yeah. had the, probably the buzz cut. <laughs> the buzz cut, the knob cut. But, um, uh-huh. but you know, right around that December time frame, because gra- graduation's in May, like most people are, have already lined up their first job or, or they're in the interview process. People are asking questions like, what's your next step? And people start firing off what company they're going to or where they're applying, et cetera. When you started telling people, I'm just going to work for me. What kind of reactions did you get? Well, first of all, for my family, the reaction was, well, what did you go to college for? I mean, you've been doing this for, and then also at the time I had applied to grad school as well. So people were even more confused. Like, so you're not going to apply for any jobs and you also want to go to grad school. So what's the point? Um, But yeah, I mean, the reactions I got from people most like family wise, it was confusion. Um, from like my, my husband who we were dating at the time, he support one, was one of the few people that actually supported my dream. He was like, well, if there's any time to go after it, it's now. Cause you have nothing to lose, you know, really no responsibilities. You know, I w- wasn't married. I didn't have kids, you know, nothing really. I didn't, all I really had was my rent. And I, I had, to, I, all I knew was that I just have to make, pay my rent and utilities. And that's really the only bills I had. Um, so yeah, I really didn't have that many bills. I had nothing to lose. So my husband supported me, but from family, it was confusion. And from other people like friends, they would just, I don't know what people were thinking in their head, but they would say, wow, that's, that's interesting. Or 
some people thought it was like an admiral thing. Like people would say, wow, like that sounds, I don't know. I guess people thought it was, it was something interesting or cool to do. I'm not sure, but some people's reactions were, um, were, it, it just seemed like something courageous to do, you know, to yeah. bet on yourself without any safety net in place. Like, it's not like I had another job lined up. I just knew that, but cause I had, again, like five months left until I was to graduate. So I knew by graduation, I needed a certain amount of clients to know that I could pay my bills after I graduated. And so by May, <laughs> I had four clients. So I knew, all right, I can at least make ends meet until, and it's not like I had a, a safety net, like, oh, someone else can help me pay my bills. I don't have anybody to family that can like step in and give me a loan. You know, a lot of people tell those yeah. types of stories like, oh, Uncle Jimmy gave me a loan. Like, I don't have anybody to give me a loan. I just had to make it work. And so that's what I did. That's so cool. So you just, you found a way. Um, Always, now, yeah. Now, question, did you did you meet your husband in college? Yes. So, well, oh. actually, we met in high school, but we didn't start dating until college. So oh, he always okay. says I friend-zoned him. Yeah. He friend-zoned. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, when the timing's right, the timing's right. Anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Mike, so, okay, well, then this makes this next question kind of tough, but put the, because you met your, you started dating your husband in college. So obviously college was, you know, you got something out of it, but knowing what you know now and the fact that you've always had this entrepreneurial um, desire, you know, this, this mindset, like, would you have still gone to college knowing what you know now? Like, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. um, you know, and, and you know what, it's a difficult question because for me, college as an experience was invaluable. The connections I made, I was able to study abroad and see the world. Um, I So I grew up in a very small rural town that was predominantly Black. And so I had the experience of being surrounded by different people that didn't look like me, which was helpful for lots of different reasons. I mean, being exposed to different cultures, different ways of life, different ways of speaking, um, even advancing like professionalism and stuff like that, just becoming a better person, being exposed to more people is something that I don't think you can put a monetary value on. However, do I think the student debt was worth it? No. I mean, the amount of student loans, the amount of student loan debt I have, um, I mean, that amount of debt, I could have like invested in zillions of different things that don't involve it just sitting on my credit and debt, the debt just collecting dust. I mean, I could have invested it into the market. I could have invested that into a rental property. I could have invested that into a vending machine business. You know, like we were talking about earlier, you know, like, I mean, I can think of a million and one things that I could invest my student loan debt in that could grow and, you know, appreciate at like over, like from from 2013 to now, I mean, just think if I had taken $60,000 and invested that into something, I could have probably quadrupled that by now Mm -hmm. um, in terms of equity. But um, I guess you can, I'll stick to what I said before, you can't put a monetary value on personal growth because I feel like I'm a better person because I went to college and 
I feel like the value I've gained personally is way bigger than the money. So hopefully mm-hmm. I'll get to a place one day when I can pay it off and it won't send me to the poorhouse. But <laughs> you will. Yeah, I mean the debt, right? The debt. I don't think the debt was worth it, but yeah. I, I wish I wish higher education wasn't so expensive. I'm with you there. I mean, I remember walking out the gate um, when I graduated in 2015 and, you know, my bill was right around 60 K and then you factor in the interest and, and mm-hmm. you know, so I, my final payoff amount um, was almost 69 grand. I got rid of it in 2018 and I'm just thinking, man, like that's 69 grand in cash that, you know, I could have, yeah, it'd probably be worth 250, 300, you know, knowing what I know now and where I would have put it or even more. Um, but I know. Congratulations long- for paying off your debt. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. You know, but I, I agree with you on the, um, you know, knowing what I know now, like, I mean, there's obviously different things I would have done to avoid debt and would have done more things in high school. That's part of why I started my brand one day to go, you know, work with students to avoid some of those, you know, going down some of those paths. Cause I think in certain cases they are avoidable, but, um, yeah, you cannot, I, I totally agree with you that you can't put a price tag on some of the relationships you build. I mean, the, the 60 grand of debt, sure, but it doesn't beat, or sorry, a million dollar relationship beats, uh, or even a, a priceless relationship beats the debt, you know, and some, and you exactly. met, you met your husband, you have, you have your, you know, a beautiful marriage and, um, I know y'all are building a home, right? Uh, yes. So, so, so look at that, you know? Um, now, how about kids that, you know, let's say a high school junior already has, a, has already established a, a business, got some clients, maybe he or she is making, you know, 40K a year, hasn't like totally scaled it yet, but they're in high school already. Um, and they come talk to you. Would you tell them to go to college? So you're saying they've started a business, they haven't scaled it, but like, they have something. They've got something. They're already making money. Yeah. Like good money. Like, yeah, like they're making, they're making like 40 or 50, like in, actually no, let's just say they're making like five to 10 in high school. Okay. So I wouldn't tell them to go to college per se, but I would tell them that they need to get experiences and get out there and actually meet people in order to grow and see different ways of life so that you really understand more about what there is to life, you know? So um, for me, the most valuable experiences I got in college were just meeting people, getting exposed to new people, um, seeing different ways of life. And that really taught me a lot about who I am. So whether you go to college or not, you need to find some avenue for growth that exposes you to different people from from different walks of life. And that alone will teach you more about life and about yourself than anything else. And I'm not sure what other experiences are out there aside from going to college where you are implanted into a new environment and you have to learn how to be self-sufficient and independent. Um, You know, learning these values are things that you can't really put a price tag on. So, um, I would say if you have some sort of aspiration where you need higher education, sure, it can be helpful. But regardless, if you're making good money and you don't need to go to college, I mean, I honestly think the mindset of you need a degree to make a good living, that's 
an outdated mindset. It's it's dead and gone. You know what I'm saying? So if you're already making a good living, then look at what else you need to grow and find experiences that can help you do that. Like networking, going to events, going to conferences, um, finding groups where you can do some experiential learning, you know, stuff where um, you can really get, I'm trying to get deeply immersed into learning new things. Cause if you're already making good money in high school, I'd, I'd imagine that someone like with my high school mentality, I'm not sure that I would have had the good sense to want to just like move away and throw myself into something completely new and learn more about myself and who I am. I'm not sure what I would have done with that type of money when I was 16, 17, 18. So I probably would have made a lot of mistakes and blown a lot of money. So, yeah, no, I love that though, about, you know, regardless if you go or you don't go, it's important to um, put yourself in new environments and be exposed to new things, meet new people. So moving forward, you know, and, and on the people note, I want to talk about that a little bit. Behind every good story or behind, you know, people uh, that we look up to and, and success stories, there are, you, you, you <clears throat> pull the curtain back and there are typically, there are other people involved. Um, there are other people, other influential people in our lives that have helped us get to where we are today or inspired the vision that we had today in some way, shape or form. So for you, Nia, like who are those influential people in your life and how have they impacted you to get where you are and, and to do what you're doing? Oh my gosh, this is such a great question. I don't think I would be who I am and where I am without good mentorship. My first ever mentor was my grandfather. He played a huge role into helping me see really what my potential was. He always spoke life into me. And he is really who gave me the confidence to be able to follow my dreams and to go after what I'm passionate about without fear, because that's what he did. He, my grandfather was actually the first black college professor at Coastal Carolina University in Myrtle Beach. So he dealt, yeah, he dealt with a lot of adversity. He moved to South Carolina with my grandma and my my mom and uncle in the seventies. And that was in Horry County in Myrtle Beach, just like six or seven years removed from segregated schools, which is hard to believe in the early 70s. That was just past the civil rights movement, um, just beyond Jim Crow. And so anyways, he dealt with a lot of adversity. And so um, he ended up becoming the dean of their Georgetown campus. But um, anyways, he was one of my first mentors, just seeing how he positively impacted the community at Coastal and in Myrtle Beach at large. I'd been able to travel around with him and do things with him. And so he's one of the people that gave me the confidence to stand tall despite adversity, to follow my dreams despite the naysayers, you know, to stand tall even when people try to put you down. So he's one of, uh, he was a huge mentor for me. Um, I've had a lot of other mentors over the years, um, instructors in college that spoke life into me and encouraged me to follow my dreams. One of my mentors at CFC was, um, or not, I won't say was because he is still a mentor, but Tom Martin, he has a program at the college called the Martin Scholars Program, which prepares um, communication seniors for their careers, whatever they may be, 
in the field of communication. So he's been a great mentor to me. But yeah, I've had tons of great mentors. I mean, the the important thing about mentorship is you find new mentors along the way. Like I just mm-hmm. got a score real estate mentor a few months months ago. His name's Blake and he is, has been a great mentor. So I'm always getting mentors. I mean, anybody can be a mentor to me. I always have things to learn and um, I'm always seeking to pour into others as well. So I think mentorship is always a two-way street with, with me. Even my friends are mentors, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love what you said there that even, even you can learn, you can learn something from, from anyone and yes. mentoring doesn't necessarily always have to have an official title, if you will. I mean, even you mentioned that your biggest um, influence has been your, your grandfather. That's, that's a family member, you know, that comes from yeah. within the, within the bloodline. Um, and he also happens to be a mentor. So yeah, I, that's one thing I like to remind people of, like, you can learn from anyone. You can learn from the janitor at work. You can learn from the CEO, um, but we should value what everybody brings to the table. It, um, it makes me think of my, one of my favorite books that a mentor gave me a couple years ago is Everybody Matters by Bob Chapman. And it talks a lot about how basically, long story short, you can learn from, you can learn something from anyone and um, yeah, look at it that way versus needing yes. to find a mentor. So you talk a lot about people that have helped you chase your vision. So let's talk about solopreneur hustle and your vision with that, why you started it. We are, well, I think you're 99 or over a hundred episodes. 98. Now. Yeah. 98. 98 episodes. Almost a yeah. hundred, <laughs> almost a hundred. So, um, homework for everyone. If you're not, uh, if you're not subscribed yet, subscribe to the solopreneur hustle podcast. It is awesome. But yeah, 98 episodes. Um, talk all about it and, you know, what your vision is with that. Yes. So the Solopreneur Hustle is a business podcast that empowers solopreneurs to build and scale their companies. So when I started my solo business, well, from the beginning, when I started my first legitimate business right out of college, I had always envisioned that it would be a solo business. I love the idea of having a business that was mobile one that I could operate from anywhere. I love the idea of not having employees, but working a business solo, always maintaining a solopreneurial status because with this comes a lot of freedom. So I um, initially felt very lonely in this journey in solopreneurship. Even when I went to events, there was just a lot of focus on building out teams or opening brick and mortar stores or having an agency. And that was never my vision. I wanted to be a solopreneur. I wanted a business that was portable, one that I could operate from anywhere, and I did not ever want W-2 employees. So from my my season of loneliness (laughs) in solopreneurship, I was inspired to start something where I'd be able to bring solopreneurs together and bring resources to solopreneurs that could help them improve their businesses. I knew that a lot of the challenges I faced as a solo business owner were not unique to just me. I know there were other solopreneurs that also experienced the same things after having conversations with my solopreneur friends. So I essentially started the Solopreneur Hustle podcast to create community among solopreneurs. And my vision for the Solopreneur Hustle is to provide resources that help solopreneurs actually grow their businesses. I find that when you're a solo business owner, when you're starting and you're, you're new, you hustle to stay afloat 
as opposed to hustling to grow and thrive. So when you're a one person show, you're wearing every hat for your business and you know you have to stay afloat. You know you have to keep things running. And so um, naturally you are uh, compelled to believe that you have to be everything for your business. But I share resources that help solopreneurs see that that doesn't have to be the case. You don't have to hustle for your business. Really your business needs your strengths and not necessarily your hustle. So I share resources that help solopreneurs actually scale their companies by outsourcing, growing the smart way. You know, you can maintain solopreneurial status with still having help. So I share resources that help solopreneurs build teams through independent contractors. And overall, my vision is to help solopreneurs grow. So that's my mission. And my goal ultimately through the solopreneur hustle is to help solopreneurs grow as opposed to hustling to stay afloat. I love that. You talk about um, facing challenges and overcome. And, you know, you talk in some of your podcasts, you address a lot of the challenges that that you've faced. So kind of going back to the question I asked earlier, but I'm going to take a different spin on it. Behind every good person or behind every good business, people, something we look up to. Yeah, there's obviously other people that are associated with that and helping that person get to where they are or that business to become what it is. But there's also mistakes that were made that help us grow and help us become the people we are. So in your solopreneur journey, what's been one of the biggest mistakes that you've made that is kind of totally just maybe even knocked you on your butt? Um, and how has it helped you grow? And, and how do you use that to help other solopreneurs? Mm. So I think, I, I, first of all, I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, <laughs> So it's hard to come up with just one that's been the biggest mistake because I've just made so many. But I think the biggest mistake I've made, and this was more of a mindset thing, it has been being overcome by imposter syndrome. Are you familiar with imposter syndrome? I know you are. You do mindset stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 So when I started my business, although I had the confidence to start, And there was something inside of me that told me I could do it. I mean, I wouldn't have taken the leap of faith if I didn't think it was possible. Once I got in it and in the thick of it and um, having to promote myself, I just landed in this just pit of imposter syndrome where I had the evidence that I could be successful. But every time I was on the brink of taking things to the next level, I would subconsciously hold myself back because I'd tell myself these, this negative self-talk would just repeat in my head all the time about why I wasn't ready yet. Oh my gosh, I'm not ready yet. This isn't the time. I need to wait a little bit longer. I need to do more research. I need to make more connections. My audience needs to grow a little bit more before I have the credibility to do this. You know, I need to do this one little tinker on my website. I need to tinker around on my website a little longer before I'm ready to send it to somebody. I mean, just the smallest, stupidest things thinking back on it. I would use those as excuses to hold me back because ultimately I felt like an imposter with an entrepreneur mask on. And so um, once I was able to overcome that, I found this new newfound confidence that was hiding within to actually go after what I knew I deserved without 
negative self-talk holding me back. So for me, uh, my biggest mistake, and I don't think there was there's anything I could have done to prevent this because it was all just a learning experience, but my biggest mistake was being overcome by imposter syndrome and not kicking these these feelings and thoughts to the curb any sooner because everyone surrounding me that knew me and loved me and um, wanted to see me win would tell me like, what is wrong with you? Like my husband would be the main person, like you are delusional. Like, why are you even telling yourself this stuff? You know, like you need to like, let this go. I don't, I, I would share things with him and he would just look at me like, like what's wrong? What's wrong with you? So yeah, when I was able to kick those those feelings and thoughts to the curb, I was really able to grow and take my business to the next level. Now, um, I know you asked for one, but I'm gonna give you one other short mistake. Yeah, go for <laughs> it. Other, yeah, the other, and then I'll keep this one shorter. The, the other mistake I made was thinking I had to be everything for my business and wear every hat. And that led to a lot of overwhelm early on to the point where I had thoughts of throwing in the towel and applying for jobs. I never did, but just in those field, those seasons of discouragement and overwhelm, you start to have irrational thoughts. <laughs> so I had thoughts of like closing up shop and moving on, but really I was just overwhelmed because I was trying to do too much. And so one of the other growth moments I had was realizing that I didn't have to do it all. You know, help was necessary and help was vital for the growth and continuity of my business. So um, realizing that I needed help has, I, I should have realized I needed help sooner. That's really what the, the mistake I made. Mm-hmm. I love both of the things you said. And I think that it's so applicable to uh, the audience because a lot of questions that I get are, you know, hey, I want to get started, but I don't have, I don't believe that I have enough experience or um, I don't know where to find help. I'm going to have to do everything on my own. So you just hit like two of the things that I hear about most frequently. Going to the imposter syndrome one, because that's, that's a tough one, right? Because I feel like you mentioned you had all the confidence in the world, but I feel like for people that are um, very humble, it can be easy to be overcome by imposter syndrome because you have all the confidence in the world, but you might not. Sometimes you just want to be humble. Like you don't want to be too cocky. Like, do you think that some of it can come from a place of humility or like, what do you think? the root cause Absolutely. Is? Yeah. 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 I am a very humble person. You know, I'm the last person to, I don't like talking about myself really that that's been, Throughout all of this, that's been one of the another difficult thing to overcome is becoming comfortable talking about myself and bragging about myself. But, you know, I recently one of my guests, I did an interview with a speaking coach. Her name is Precious. Her business is Perfect Pitches by Precious. She'll be Mm -hmm. uh, I'll be releasing that podcast episode in a few weeks. But anyways, she said a quote in this interview we did today and it said it's not a brag if it's the truth. That's what she said. And I was like, Mm -hmm. dang. That's true. Like with the imposter, the feelings, feeling like an imposter and being humble and not wanting to brag. Well, is it a brag if it's the truth? You know, and when she said that, that even transformed everything for me just today. Like I've overcome a lot of the imposter traits, but that when she said that, I was like, wow, that's true. Like if you're a humble person, I think remembering that 
helps you to stand out, you know, be confident and brag on yourself because really if it's not a brag, if you're just telling the truth about what you've been up to, what your accomplishments are and what value you bring to the world. It's not a brag if it's the truth. I'm going to chop that up. Um, right. <laughs> oh man, that's, that's so cool. I, and I, I really appreciate that. Cause that's something that I'm, I'm putting that in my back pocket. Like anytime I interview guests, I'm, I've got these sticky notes all over my, all over my house. Um, yeah. with just like, with just like little gold gems that, that people drop, um, and, you know, mindset hacks. And I think that's really neat because, you know, I, I don't, enjoy talking about myself either because I'd rather I'd rather hear about what you're doing and what you're up to versus here's everything I'm up to and it's I don't know it's just it's 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 difficult sometimes like one of my one of my best friends I play golf with her a lot and and she's always like the sweetest woman in the world um always like asking about my updates and stuff and I'm like I don't want to talk about me like let's talk (laughs) about you like I feel bad but really um yeah I'm just uh just telling the truth, you know? So Exactly. Um, that's what I'm saying. It's just the truth. Yeah, it's just the truth. So that's, yeah, I like that. Um, but a lot of what you're saying, I've listened to quite a few of your episodes, is it kind of sounds like uh, episode number 83, uh, you might be blocking your growth. And you talk a lot yes. about self-sabotaging beliefs. So you talked about imposter syndrome, how, you know, it, it affected you for a while. Now, how did you get out of it? Was it by talking with mentors, reading certain books? I'm always curious, like, how people sharpen their mindset. So uh, what does that look like for you? Mm, So I think what snapped me out of that more than anything was coming to the realization that if my business was going to grow, if I was going to get to where I needed to get, then I had to leave that behind. And... um, one of the things that's helped me sharpen my mindset has been reading books. I'm more of an audiobook person. So I'm looking at a book in front of me on my bookshelf um, by ben- Brene Brown called Daring Greatly. I that's one that of my one. favorite mindset books. Yeah. I got that one. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at that one. Um, I read a lot of a lot of mindset books, but that's one of my favorite. Um listening to podcasts, honestly, for another thing that's helped has been going to therapy and doing more inner work to figure out where all of this stems from, you know, that's really helped it. Honestly, you have to get real with yourself about, you know, where's this coming from? And why do I feel like an imposter, you know, whatever the mindset challenge you're facing, whatever way you're blocking your growth. I mean, there's lots of ways we block our growth, procrastination, um, getting real with ourselves if we're lazy, you know, all types of stuff. But you have to be honest with yourself about what you're doing to block your growth. And if you're never honest with yourself, then you'll never be able to overcome it and reach your greatest potential. And so anyways, in these moments of being honest with myself, I had to come to the realization that, look, I'm not reaching my greatest potential. And the only person that's standing in my way is myself. And so when I accepted that, I had... um, when I accepted that, it was as if like something changed in my brain to where I realized, all right, I have a responsibility to um, do what I'm supposed to do while I'm on this earth. You know, like I have a purpose and I have a responsibility to lead a life that aligns with my purpose. And so I have to change what I'm doing and I can't be this way forever. And I also just 
am hungry for success also. And so I was like, if I'm going to ever get to where I want to be, I don't want to be on this hamster wheel forever. I have to make a change. And so every day I'm working to overcome, you know, the, the roadblocks that I put in front of myself. But um, yeah, I mean, everyone's a work in progress, but those are just some of the things that I experienced. I think if you get real with yourself about where you want to be and you look at where you are now and you realize that you're in your own way, you have no choice but to um, honor the responsibility you have to yourself to kick yourself into high gear. But I'm, I'm a self-starter. Everyone's not the same, but yeah. um, that's where I was and, and how I started to improve um, some of my mental health stuff and removing the negative self-talk from my life, at least minimizing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and that's, that's one thing, uh, another you're referencing from another episode. So 81, investing in yourself. And you talked about, you know, I listened to that one and you talked about going to therapy. And I was like, yeah, hmm, yes. that is awesome. You know, you're being intentional about your, your development and the, even going to, to therapy. And, and sometimes people think, well, you're going to therapy, what's wrong with you? Um, right. <laughs> how can I help you? But in this case, you know, you're being, in, you're being intentional about your, your development, being honest with yourself. I want to dig into that one a little more, digging into your inner mind. Um, what does that look like? What does that mean for you? Mm. So being honest with myself, for me, I took a look at what I would, so first of all, I'm, I'm a huge goal setter. When you talk about goals, I'm like, oh, that's me. I have a vision board in front of me on my, in my on my bookshelf here. And so, oh, yes. <laughs> got mine right here. Yeah. Got my whiteboard. Yes. Right oh, okay. <laughs> Next topic. We're going to goals. But yeah, continue, please. <laughs> right. So I will look at my vision board and I'll say, okay, I, some of this stuff is happening, but some of it's not happening. And then I'll say, well, why isn't it happening? You know, I'm trying. I, I think that I'm doing things I need to do every day to make my goals happen but am I being intentional you know and what's really stopping me from from getting this stuff done and why isn't it why isn't it happened yet and I had to be honest with myself and say you know really I haven't been giving this 100% of my effort and I feel like I'm trying but why you know why haven't I been giving this 100% effort and and what's holding me back and, you know, sometimes being honest with yourself requires you to get feedback from other people. Mm-hmm. If you don't have someone in your life that you trust to be transparent with, maybe talking to someone like a therapist can be the person that's going to give you the honest truth. My husband gives me the brutal honest truth, whether I want it or not always. And he'll tell me like, look, you need to get your stuff together because you're being a slacker, you know? And so um, you have to have someone in your life they can give you the truth from the outside looking in because sometimes when you're on the inside looking out, it's difficult to see. Like my therapist keeps it real with me always and tells me things that I don't want to hear. And my husband does also. So those are usually, or, you know, some of my friends will tell me the truth as well. But if I want the brutally honest truth, it's usually my husband's. But sometimes to be real with yourself, you have to accept the truth from somebody else and not, like get defensive about it. You know, if someone says it and they love you, it's probably for a reason. So maybe there needs to be some self-reflection about what's going on. But sometimes you have to get some feedback from the outside looking in. And that's what I had to do. Is there something that someone has told you before that when it 
when they first told you, it really hit you like, man, like that was, that was mean or rude or maybe not mean or rude, but just like it was, it hit you hard, but then it influenced you to make a change or do something differently. Like, was there anything like that or has there been anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) one of the things that comes to mind for me, like back to this whole, when we were talking about being humble, my husband always says that I don't brag on myself enough. Like he'll always say, you're always downplaying yourself. And I'm like, no, I'm not. You don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean? I'm downplaying myself. Like I am who I am. What? And then the more and more, like even doing interviews like this or having conversations that are recorded, I'll listen to myself. And I'm like, wow, they did ask me about some of my successes and I downplayed them. (laughs) It was the truth. And so um, that's just one example, you know, downplaying myself. But I mean, I'm sure there are other things. I can't think of any other examples right now, but that's definitely one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm totally get you going into goals big goal setter vision board actually no hold on one more question on on uh self-talk and you know being real with yourself so you said you've got your vision board and these discussions that you have with yourself Nia like is it are these daily discussions you're looking every day at the board and then being real like okay hey I'm not doing I haven't done anything today or this week or this month that has moved me closer to this goal like Talk to me more about the discussion, you know, like those, yeah, the discussion process. Mm. So I'm not an every day or every week type of person. I kind of look at things month by month. Mm. And so every month, and, and you're really a goal person, so you can probably give me some tips here. But every month I look at, like every month I create little goals that I think will get me closer to my big goals. So for example, my, so I'll actually speak on a goal that I had last year. So by the end of 2020, my goal was to have at least 1000 subscribers on YouTube. So every month I had just many goals that I knew or, or hoped would get me closer to accomplishing that big goal. So working on SEO, finding someone to help me with that, doing hashtag research, um, coming up with catchy titles. Like I will work on something new every month to get me closer to that big goal. And that's kind of what I do. So I'll look at the big goal and I'll say, all right, what are the little things I need to do day to day to help me get closer to that? Because in the past, I would be so focused on the big goal and why it wasn't happening fast enough that I would get discouraged and, and, one, I'd want to quit two weeks in because the big goal hadn't happened yet. And um, I was just too focused on the big thing instead of working on the small milestones. So that's my approach. What's yours? Yeah. So I love going and looking at my goal board every day. It's like the, it's the first thing I see. So uh, when I come downstairs in the morning and what I, what I say that goal setting gives me or to really anyone is it's three things. It's focus, drive, and direction. So mm-hmm. every day I come downstairs and I, there's no guesswork ever as to what I want to accomplish. That in itself, you know, going there and, and seeing the vision board, the goal board, um, that gives me my things to focus on. It shifts my behavior. So naturally I'm thinking about the things that I want to accomplish and my behavior kind of, I start just doing things that align with those goals. Like for instance, it almost, 
<laughs> this sounds crazy, but like reading books, for instance, or whenever I've got like um, a running, a certain running goal, it's like my shoes gravitate towards me. It's like, hey, you're supposed to be running right now. Um, yeah. You're supposed to be reading right now, which I'm a little behind on the reading goal. But like the books are like, it's like they're talking to me. Like that's what <laughs> this being so intentional about this stuff does. Um, so with that, you know, it, it's, I'm super driven and I have, and I have direction. Like uh, there's no, again, there's no guesswork. Um, so I do like to look at it every day because then I can ask myself the question of, you know, Hey, what am I doing today to, um, mark something on that board complete or, you know, one step closer. And then what I do is when I'm looking at that, the, um, I have a top three, list of priorities that I write down every morning. So kind of, you know, to your point, so I'd say you're you're doing it right because, okay, if I'm really going to like, let's say interview 25 podcast guests this year, um, I've got to be making some daily priorities to be connecting with people and reaching out on LinkedIn or meeting people like it, like you at 1 million cups. Um, I have to have some sort of system that supports the, you know, accomplishing the goal. So really the question is, you know, what's your system? What is your Mm -hmm. daily system? What's your monthly system? And then I I make my goals no secret. So, you know, if I say I'm going to go do something, I don't want to let anyone down. And that's another thing too. Like if you want 1000 YouTube subscribers, um, you're putting it out here now. So, but I hope that um, people that are really close to you know that, and they've seen that on paper somewhere and that, you've got a system built to where they're calling you on a monthly basis or you have some sort of monthly meeting set up with these people. So you guys can hold each other accountable. I've found that to be extremely powerful because I don't want to be that person that goes to a goal meeting and says, well, I've made no progress. Right now, now I'm embarrassed. Everyone else is talking about their success and I don't have anything you know, to <laughs> brag on my, you know, exactly. That's, I love that. That's something yeah. I'm get with my friends and maybe create vision boards together and meet every month to talk about where we are. I love that. That is such a nice thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Like, you know, and I've got the, the vision board. How do you have your vision board structured? And I'm curious too, for anyone that wants to structure a vision board, like what has worked well for you? Clearly something's working. I'm going to, I'm bragging on you right now because (laughs) Uh, you don't have to do it. I'm bragging on you. You know, you're, you're crushing it. And you didn't even, you you didn't even mention the fact that your podcast is like the only podcast that targets solopreneurs. So, um, I'll throw that truth in there for you. Um, cause you you didn't say it, but I will. So, um, yeah, but how do you structure the vision board? So mine, I do, um, cause I'm like kind of a creative person. So my vision board is the style of having different cutouts of things. I don't do magazines because I don't own any, but I'll go online and and print out clips of things that represent what I want to accomplish. And I have a shadow box. And so I'll pin things. I don't like to do all the glue. I'll pin things. It's like a collage in a frame. I go get it, but I'd have to get up. But yeah, so (laughs) mine's like a collage and it has all the things that represent where I want my life and my business and um, even mindset stuff where I want things to go for me um, as far as business, investing, mindset, my personal life. It's just kind of all combined. And so, um, yeah. And then in my planner, which, which whew, I almost spent my water with my, in my planner, which I do have in front of me every week, 
or every month, I list out what I want to accomplish that aligns with those goals. So in my planner, I write my goals, what I, what I want to do in relation to that um, every month. So every month I have like small little milestones that are branching off from my vision board. So that's kind of my like little system. And then every day on my checklist, I'm like, all right, what did I do today? Okay. So I have my month, my vision board, and then my monthly, and then my little weekly checklist. If you didn't write your goals, I'll actually, no, hold on. How long ago did you start writing goals down? And when, what inspired you to start writing goals down? I've been writing goals down since sometime in college. So I guess it's been like six or seven years. Mm -hmm. And what inspired me to do this was really just feeling disorganized in life, feeling like I didn't have direction. So when you were saying for you goal settings about direction, so I felt lost, you know, what am I doing every day? And what am I getting closer towards? And um, without writing my goals down, I just felt like I was on a hamster wheel going nowhere. So for me, it was about the direction. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was a personal choice. It wasn't like, um, you know, reading about any leaders or anything like that, or did it, did it come up in a class or it was just, you had that self-awareness that, Hey, I'm not very organized, so I'm just going to start writing my goals down. Yeah, for me, it was a personal thing. I never read about goal setting. Oh. Um, but yeah, it was for me, it was definitely a personal. I mean, I remember buying my first planner because I never bought a planner or a journal or anything like that until um, college, maybe my sophomore, junior year, somewhere around there. And um, that's when I started having the ideas to start writing things down. And what I realized was that writing things down helped me to manifest it. And that changed everything for me. So since then I've read about goal setting and stuff, but to, to start with, it was just like not having direction and having to, to get some structure going, you know? That's so cool. And that's, and it, and it came from within, which I think is even more impressive. I started writing goals down in college because I yeah, I was not focused at all. Hence why I had to go to the military college up the road from you. Um, Cause I know if I ended up at, at CFC where you were, um, I uh, don't know if the, the outcome would have been the same, um, but it definitely provide the CFC than the Citadel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we would go hang out there on the weekend so we could get a taste of normal college. So, so that was fun, but like what inspired my vision was I was, you know, I, I recognized that, you know, I didn't have, I, I was super unorganized. Um, I started doing research and, and reading about leaders and whatnot and, and what they do, what makes them successful, how do they structure their day and what do they attribute their success to? And a lot of it went back to goal setting. So I said, okay, something must be right. But I had to read about other people to figure that out. You did it on your own. That's, that's amazing. If you did not write your goals down and did not start this six years ago Would the solopreneur hustle podcast exist today? I don't think so. I don't think so because my interests in the entrepreneurial space have changed since I started all of this. And had I not written down really what I wanted out of life and where I wanted to be, I don't think I, one, would have had the priority of starting a solo business. Two, I would have never started connecting with other solopreneurs. Three, 
I wouldn't have started having conversations with people to realize that there was a need for something for solopreneurs, educational resources geared towards solopreneurship specifically. Had I not been intentional about what I wanted to see that there were other people out there like me who wanted the same things, I don't think I would have ended up where I am today. So I, yeah, I think writing goals down is so powerful. I love that. So, cause I say it a lot, but I like when other people say it Yeah, and <laughs> it's, you're 42% more likely to accomplish something when it's written down. When you share it with someone, that number jumps up to, I believe I read the other day, like 82%. Wow. So you talk about a system, you know, writing it down and then, okay, what, what system do you have? But then sharing it with people, you've doubled your odds just from writing it down. It's, it's incredible. Wow. So people, write your goals down, please. And yeah. <laughs> what's been the most rewarding part about working with solopreneurs, whether it's through the podcast and some feedback you've received or just some transformation stories or even people that you've helped just from the ground up. Like, I feel like everyone has a moment or a few moments of just joy, things that you'll never forget. And they're purely a result of you, Nia, and the work you do. Talk about that. Oh, so I think the most rewarding, transformative feedback I get from solopreneurs I talk to are um, people who always, like me, envision that their solo business would be their side hustle. And then they say, you know what? I want my solo business to be my full-time thing. You know, I don't want to work in corporate America. I want to commit my life to entrepreneurship. And I feel like I have the confidence to do this because I've listened to your podcast and I'm inspired by what you're doing and why you wanted to do entrepreneurship full-time, why you wanted to work for yourself, you know, the freedom that comes with being an entrepreneur. And so when I talk to people who develop the confidence to go after what they're really passionate about, um, because they listen to my podcast and have been following my story, that brings me so much joy because again, Ultimately, my goal is to serve others, to improve the experiences of solopreneurs so so other business owners don't have to make the same mistakes I did. And so if I'm able to help a solopreneur get started and build and grow, those are the stories I like to hear. And so um, when someone reaches out or sends me a DM on Instagram and shares something like that, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, that's amazing. So those are the transformative stories I enjoy hearing. And some of the others are, um, are when solopreneurs reach out and say, you know what, I was so overwhelmed. I was so overworked. I didn't know how I was going to keep this going. But now that I understand how to build a team, I feel so much more confidence about actually outsourcing and growing. And now I understand how to scale, you know? I know that there are avenues for passive income, even though I'm a business of one, Um, because I'm big on promoting online courses and um, creating digital products and stuff like that. So um, that's the feedback that I really enjoy getting when people I know and meet, listen to the podcast and reach out and share that. Those are the transformative stories I really like hearing. 
That's awesome. So there, there are a lot of people listening, Nia, that have asked me about starting a business, and a lot of them would like to be solopreneurs. So for someone that wants to start out, what are some of the key things? So we've talked a lot about you know, that they should consider. So we've talked a lot about uh, mindset, overcoming imposter syndrome. But uh, for folks that are listening right now that have said or have been thinking about uh, becoming a solopreneur, what advice do you give them? The first and most important piece of advice I give, I give to anyone that's starting is to figure out what your one thing is. Have you read the book called The One Thing? No. Okay, that's a great mindset book, especially if you're in the entrepreneurial space. So I, de- I definitely recommend that book. The author is slipping my mind right now. But if you just go on Amazon or Google and search The One Thing, It'll come up. It's a great entrepreneurial book. So if you want to start a solo business and you want it to be really successful, you have to figure out where your lane is. You don't want to be like everybody else. Everything is crowded these days, you know? And so you need to figure out why you're unique and what value you have to offer someone. And your value needs to be focused in one lane. You know, you're not for everybody. You need to figure out who you are for. That was one of the things I struggled with in the beginning. I knew I had a lot of value to offer the world, but I wasn't really sure what my one thing was, what my secret sauce was. And so I struggled in the beginning because I tried to be everything for everybody without realizing that really my strength was improving the lives of solopreneurs, helping solopreneurs build and grow solo businesses. That's my strength and that's what I do. Mm-hmm. So um, it took me a long time to figure out what my one thing is. But if you don't have your one thing as a solopreneur, you'll find yourself overwhelmed, involved in everything because you, you, you just can't discern what's a good opportunity and what's something that doesn't really make sense for your long term goals. So figure out what your one thing is. What is the one thing you want to focus on? What would you hire you to do? That's the question really to ask yourself, like, if someone was starting a company and they was gonna, they, they were gonna hire you to come in and do something for them because it was your specialty, what would you hire you to do? That's really the question. So when I thought about what I would hire me to do, I was like, wow, 90% of the things I'm doing aren't even what I'd hire me to do. So um, think about what your one thing is and build your business out focusing on just that and that alone. Think about who needs your one thing. If there's one person who needs your secret sauce to take their life, their business, their goals to the next level, who needs that secret sauce? Who can benefit from that secret sauce the most? And that's what you need to focus on if you're going to start your solo business. Everything needs to be centered around your one thing and think about the one person that could benefit from your secret sauce the most. Like if someone was going to send you a DM on Instagram and say, your secret sauce changed my life. Who would that one person be? Mm, I love that. So the <laughs> one thing, and then the question, the key question is, what would you hire yourself to do? I think that's really neat because I feel like, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, what if someone's like, well, I feel like I'm good at a few things. Okay, well, what would, would you hire yourself to do those few things? And then you could probably have process, you know, you can begin process of elimination from there. That's Really good. I love that. I love that. I absolutely love it. If you can't tell. So (laughs) I want to get into the future and what's next for you. You're 
99, about to be 99 episodes in. So hitting 100. We talked about vision board and goal setting. So let's say we're having this discussion five years from now and you're back on the podcast. What will have happened in between now and then? Wow, that's a great question. So first of all, I'm hoping that the solopreneur hustle continues to grow. I know it will continue to grow. It's growing little by little every month. So by then, I'm hoping that the solopreneur hustle will be like a top business podcast, a household name within the next five years. Um, I'm hoping that I will have been able to be on some other media outlets to be able to share resources that help solopreneurs build and and scale their solo companies. Um, I'm hoping to be able to build out a suite of digital products that help solopreneurs within the next, really this is more of a short-term goal within the next year. So I'm hoping to have even more resources, online courses and eBooks partnering with other content creators that like yourself, like your goal setting materials, I'm hoping we can eventually partner, but yeah, I'm hoping to have more products and resources that improve the lives of solopreneurs beyond just the podcast, like courses, ebooks, digital content. I'm hoping to have been able to go on a podcast tour, which will be happening soon. So that's also more of a short-term goal. But ultimately in the next five years, I just want my audience to grow. I want to bring more solopreneurs resources that really help them improve their businesses. I just want to connect with more solopreneurs and um, and change lives and change the world. That's what I'm hoping to do in the next five years. You don't need to hope. You are, you're doing it. You're doing yes, it. every day. <laughs> you're doing it. What do you want your legacy to be? Wow, that's a deep one. My legacy. I mean, you're doing so much to already impact solopreneurs and you're constantly investing in yourself. You're becoming a name here in the, you are a name here in the, in the community. People depend on you. People need your message. People rely on your message. So what do you want your legacy to be? I want my legacy to be one of courage, one where people remember me as someone who went after their dreams without fear, despite adversity. You know, there's always fear lingering inside, but are you able to take action despite fear, you know, in pursuit of your goals and dreams? So is I want to be remembered as someone whose dreams, goals, and passions were bigger than that little imposter inside who said it wasn't possible or that I wasn't ready, you know? So I'm hoping that my legacy is one of courage, strength, and really pursuit of my dreams um, despite naysayers and also a legacy of not putting myself into a box. You know, if I had I had forced myself into the pretty little box of what people said I should have done my senior year of college. I'd never be here where I am today, helping solopreneurs through my podcast. So um, anyone I talk to, I'm always like when people have dilemmas about life, I'm like, well, if, uh, if you didn't feel like you had a box that was keeping you stuck in whatever you think you're supposed to be doing right now, what would you do if nothing else mattered? You know, if, you didn't have bills hanging over your head, if you didn't have responsibilities, what would you do if none of the things you're worried about mattered? And, you know, usually that's where the truth lies in terms of what you want to do with your life. So 
I'd also say, and I know that's a lot, that's a lot in terms of legacy, but I also want my legacy to be one where I'm remembered as someone who didn't put myself into a box of expectation of a box of what I should do instead of what I really want to do. I love that, man. Nia, you're dropping so much great, (laughs) great gems here. How do people find you and keep up with the journey and all the amazing things you're doing? Yes. So you can find my website at thesolopreneurhustle.com. I'm also on Instagram at solopreneurhustle. My personal Instagram is at nialewis.co. That's N-I-A-L-E-W-I-S.co. I'm on LinkedIn at Nia Lewis. And I also have a page for the Solopreneur Hustle on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook at the same handles at Solopreneur Hustle at neolewis.co. That's where you can find me. And um, yeah, and I, my email address also is hello at the solopreneurhustle.com if you want to reach out via email. And I would love everybody listening to listen to the Solopreneur Hustle and leave the podcast a review because reviews are important. So I'd love to connect and I'd love for you to subscribe to my podcast. Yes, yes. Please, please, everyone subscribe. Um, Lots of amazing content. It's a podcast that I find a lot of value in and uh, I know that you all will as well. Uh, Nia, if there's anything you could leave people with today besides what we've covered, what would it be? Don't put yourself into a box of expectation. Live your life the way you want to, despite what anybody else thinks. And the other piece of advice I'd leave everybody with is as you go, things come together. Even if you don't have it all together, continue to execute because things will come together along the way. That's always been the story of my life. Even when it feels like a mess, it's really just coming together and creating um, what you should be and who you should be. It's, it's all coming together along the way. So don't get caught up in the details, just execute. I love it. Nia, your, your message is one of intention and desire that you know you've discovered at a, a young age and just hearing the journey um, all the way through and having the courage to start a business right out of college when people may have, people did think, I don't know, like this is, this is a little crazy, but you, you didn't, you didn't let, you don't let, you did not let, and you will not let anyone stop you from, uh, chasing your, your vision and dreams. And that's extremely admirable. So, um, I love what you're doing to create value for solopreneurs and inspire people to, take the leap and eliminate their self-sabotaging beliefs uh, such as imposter syndrome. So just thank you for, for what you do. And for the listeners, again, um, be, be intentional. Don't be um, afraid to brag about your truths. That's one thing that I know I'm taking away from this. So uh, thank you so much. And uh, folks just listen to this and Apply these principles to your life and you will win today. Thank you so much for tuning in.